May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, his only Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. It's not news to any of us that global food prices are up dramatically since March of 2020, the beginning of the COVID pandemic. We're certainly seeing inflation when we shop for groceries. Here are some comparisons from HEB from April of 2021 to August of this year. Bread from $3.02 to three forty-four, Milk from $3.18 to three fifty-six, Eggs from $1.63 to $2.99. Bacon from $4.42 to $5.14. Sausage from $10.29 to $13.38. Brown sugar from $1.32 to $1.67, and white granulated sugar from $1.29 to $1.81. One potato chip producer states that potatoes are costing him 20% more, but his cooking oil to fry them is up 300%. Fertilizers are scarce and costly. And then there's the gas price. From a pandemic of low of below $2 a gallon, whoever thought we would be glad to see gas dip below $3 a gallon. We're not in the midst of a famine, not here in San Antonio. But the reality is that in two and a half years, the number of acutely hungry people around the world has grown from 135 million to 345 million, and some food and hunger experts say the number is closer to 700 million people. This is not a sermon about famine and hunger and food scarcity. But I will begin with the famine in Israel, and I will continue with the spiritual starvation from which we all need relief. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to ponder God's word about famine, faith, following, and faithful. People God dearly loves. At some point after Joshua leads the Israelites through the Jordan into the promised land, but before Saul was anointed the first king, when the judges ruled, Ruth 1 says, there was a famine. So a man from Bethlehem by the name of Elimelech, which means my God is king, went searching for food. Elimelech took his wife Naomi, Milan and Kilion, their two sons, and they moved to Moab. A quick geography lesson, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. Moab is to the east of the Dead Sea. In Moab, their life is better for a time. Then it's much worse. Elimelech's husband and father dies. The two sons who grew to manhood in this foreign country, they take Moabite women as wives. One marries Orpah, one marries Ruth. But then Milan and Kilion die. Now Naomi is joined by her two daughters-in-law in widowhood, with no inheritance, no livelihood, No life insurance, no pension, no social security, no savings, no answers, no options, no hope. 
Naomi makes a plan. With no family here in Moab, she'll return to Bethlehem where it's reported food is, a, is there. Again, some relative. Is Boaz a possibility? Might care for her. When she begins her journey back to Judah, Orpah and Ruth join her. But Naomi stops on the road and says, Don't come with me. Go back to your mother's homes. May God be kind to you. And that's that wonderful word, chesed. May he show you his covenant faithfulness. And may God grant each of you a new husband to care for you. Then Naomi embraces and kisses Ruth and Orpah and tries to leave. But the two young widows continue to weep and wail. We'll go with you. We'll make Bethlehem our home. Now Naomi has to talk bluntly and clearly. Why? Why would you go with me? Your families are here. I won't find a husband tomorrow and conceive two more boys that you, for you to marry. Even if I birth two sons, would you really wait for them to grow up so you could take them as your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Let me face alone the bitterness, the marah of my losses. Orpah and Ruth cry some more. Clearly, Naomi This Israelite mother-in-law was loved by her two Moabite daughters-in-law. Orpah kisses Naomi and turns and leaves, but Ruth hangs on. Naomi states the obvious. Go back after your sister-in-law. Go back to your people. Go back to your gods. But Ruth replies, no, Naomi, Do not urge me to leave you or to stop following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die and be buried. Nothing but death will part me from you. Naomi says nothing because... Nothing she says will change Ruth's mind. She is committed to following geographically and, more important, spiritually. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. Now, you may wonder or suspect this, but this is the only portion of the book of Ruth we read in church in the three years of time that we follow this lectionary series. And we only hear this brief section of the the book. But I do encourage you to read the entire book of Ruth. It's only four chapters yet today. I don't want to spoil the ending, but I need to tell you more of Ruth's story right now. Ruth and Naomi make it back to Bethlehem. They happen to arrive at the beginning of the barley harvest. As I said a couple of minutes ago, Naomi and Ruth have no financial assets. They were in poverty. Nowadays, they would apply for welfare. But God had designed a way for the poor to have food. The farmers were not supposed to harvest their crops 
all the way to the edges of their field. Some corn, some wheat, some barley was to be left standing by the reapers. And the less fortunate were allowed to glean, to walk the outside of the fields, harvesting the leftover grain. A man named Boaz, from the same clan as Elimelech, is one of the farmers in Bethlehem. So Ruth goes to one of his fields. Again, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but it does end well. Ruth marries Boaz. And nine months later, they have a son. Naomi is finally a grandmother. His name is Obed. He grows up and marries and has a son named Jesse. He also grows up and marries and has a whole bunch of sons. The youngest is named David. A Moabite woman, a Gentile, a foreigner, is the great-grandmother of the great king, and from his line, another king, capital K, a greater king will be born and become the redeemer of all. It's a wonderful story, but I want to ask this. What is your story? What is our story? Is yours, is ours at all like, like Ruth's? It is. We were alone. We lived in a foreign land. We were hungry. We had nothing. It was worse than that. To borrow from today's gospel reading, we were sick. We were lepers, unclean and desperate, with no hope of healing. And to borrow language from Paul's letter to young Pastor Timothy, we were in prison, but not in prison for the gospel, but locked up without the gospel, chained by our sins, captive in our guilt, with no hope of release or of pardon or parole. But God does the work we cannot do because he is the God of chesed, of covenant faithfulness. He acted to take Naomi home, to give Ruth a new home, to give sons until his one and only son, his dearly loved son, would be born. And let's not forget where Jesus, the new and great king, was born in Bethlehem, in Ruth's great-grandson's town, in the city of David. Jesus is our kinsman, redeemer. He is one of us by his birth into the human family. He carried out his mission to redeem and rescue and restore. Ruth had faith, faith for her future. That's why she dared to make that dusty trek following Naomi from Moab to Judah, to a place she had never seen before. I'm not telling you to be like Ruth. I'm telling you that you are like Ruth. 
But we have an even more certain future because we cling in faith to Jesus Christ and we follow him into the new life he promises by the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice on the cross, by his third day triumph over the cold grave. He restores the family of God. He claims us as his own brothers and sisters. He feeds the spiritually malnourished, for we were in a deadly famine. He gives foreigners a homeland. He cures us from deadly sin. He breaks the chains of our guilt. He turns our bitterness into joy. He becomes the bridegroom, claiming the church as his dearly loved bride. All this is so. All this is good news because God is faithful. When we are faithless, when we forget and ignore and wander and rebel, which we do more often than we want to admit, he remains faithful. He remains faithful because this is God's very nature and he cannot deny Himself. In this faithfulness, he forgives all our sins. In this faithfulness, he feeds us with his supper. In this faithfulness, he will take us home. For our Lord Jesus has gone before us to lead us to a place we've never been before. Give thanks today. Give thanks with me for the boldness of Ruth and for the gift of of salvation she received. Her God was Naomi's God. Her God was King David's God. Her God is our God, who acts with mercy and grace to save and to heal. One more word of good news. Remember the name of Naomi's husband and Ruth's father-in-law? Elimelech. Eli Melech. It means my God is king. We are all named Elimelech, for God is our king, our king who rules for all eternity. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.